shorter because we're a bit smaller, and it is Christmas, and some of you kids are going back home to get some gifts, so uh, I don't want to be the, the pastor who kept you so long, so we will we'll be a little shorter. Let's pray. Father would pray that just this, this Christmas morning, what a, what a great Sunday morning to be in church, God, with your, with your people and our extended family, and uh, Lord would pray that just even now you might just direct us again, just again as we dig into the deep well of your scripture. Um, God, may we mine some precious jewels here this morning to remind us again of the glories of the gospel, the, the joys of what it means to serve Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with us to open minds and hearts and just help me to be undistractingly pointing us to Jesus. So help us, O oh, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 2016 was a, a strange year for many reasons. Um, politically, things have happened that's been a bit strange and unusual. But also in the world of sports, 2016 was very strange and unusual because the Cubs finally won the World Series after a long wait of 108 years. They finally won the World Series, and you know stories littered the newspapers of lifelong fans who waited their entire lives to uh, see the Cubs win. Now, personally, I grew up a Cubs fan. Um, when I was when I was a kid, like David's age, I I watched probably 60 games every year, just in the summertime, just watched, and I knew everything all about them. As you get older, you can't do that, but. My default cheering is for the Cubs. It's it's wonderful that they they did um, that they win, and uh, one of some of the sentiments that people have said in some regards is once they won, they say now I can die in peace <laughs> because I've seen the the Cubs win. And some fans did just that. You know what? In fact, I've got a I want a Mabel Ball. She uh, was born in 1908. Two and a half months before the Chicago Cubs won their second World Series in 2008. And uh, just think about her life. Lived through two world wars. Lived through the Great Depression. Saw the airline industry start with Orville and Wilbur Wright. But never saw her favorite team win the World Series. She grew up in Chicago, didn't really go to the games, but listened a lot to Jack Brickhouse and... Harry Carey, and listen to those guys, follow them on the radio, and uh, she saw they won and died of a heart attack, November 8th, less than a week after the team won their third World Series. She's probably one of the only people who was alive for both second and the third World Series championships. Daryl Sterner, he was a pretty avid fan, he was a well-known barber in West Liberty, Iowa, Longtime Chicago Cubs fan, he would cut hair. He was a barber, and as he cut his hair, as he cut people's hair, the Cubs were often a topic of conversation. And when the Cubs were in the World Series this fall, sadly he was in hospice care. And uh, as he was dying, his family was in the other room, sort of listening on. And, and after Anthony Rizzo secured Game Seven, Sterner's son whispered in his ear, "Dad, they won." The Cubs won the World Series. And he passed away three hours later, dying in peace after the Cubs won the World Series. This Christmas morning, we're going to look at a man who wanted for a long time, and he waited a long time to see a dream come true. And when it did, 
he was really ready to die in peace. He was ready to, to turn in this Cubs gear, just one before I die, for this gear. Goodbye someday, because that day had come. And his name, of course, is Simeon. His story is told in Luke chapter 2. If you haven't done so already, I invite you to invite your, open your Bibles there, Luke chapter 2. His, his song we're going to look at is in verses 29 through 32. And this Christmas, we've been looking at the, the songs of Christmas from, from Luke chapters 1 and 2. Really four songs. They're called canticles. Canticle is like a, a psalm-like uh, poetic structure sort of thing, um, literary device, but not in the Psalms. And we have seen Zechariah, we've seen Mary, seen the song of the angels, and this morning we see the song of, of Simeon. I want to read his song for you in 29 through 32. This is really a prayer. It's not so much a song, even though I'm calling it a song. It is a prayer. The first word there is Lord, and he's praying to God. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, like all the songs of Christmas we've looked at here, these words come in context and the context begins back in verse 22, which talk about Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus into the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate him to the Lord in accordance with the requirements of the law. And this would have taken place some 40 days after Jesus was born. We read in verse 22, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And if you remember preaching through Leviticus, this was Leviticus chapter 12 about the end of purification. Um, the women after, after the circumcision, eight days, there's another 33 days until... They were purified, and they were indeed, and she was, and in obedience to Exodus 13, rather, redeeming the firstborn rather than the Levites, they came up and were dedicating Jesus to the Lord. Now, in, in doing this, they're simply following the law as righteous people, but unknown to them, circumstances were happening behind the scenes in the temple in Jerusalem and that behind the scenes comes up in verse 25, kind of kind of flashes back or brings up to speed so we can bring Mary and Joseph right into contact here with Simeon right at the same time. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Here we are introduced to Simeon. He is described there as a righteous man. Just like Joseph was described as a righteous man, just meaning he sought to walk in the ways of God. He's described there as a devout man, just, just reverent. Just means he, he, his righteousness wasn't merely external, but it came from the heart. And um, there's this corresponding heart and reverence in all that he did in walking in his righteous ways. And thirdly, you see him described there in verse 25 as a man waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is, he's waiting for the time of the Messiah. The phrase consolation of Israel refers back to Isaiah 40, when God would come and comfort his people. Perhaps you remember that, maybe from the, from the Messiah. Comfort ye, O oh, comfort ye my people. 
That's Isaiah 41. Verse 2 says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry for her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And there's Isaiah 40 just promising that God is going to come and comfort. That's what consolation means. It just means he's going to comfort Israel. He's going to come like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He comforts me. And that's what's taking place here. But for Israel, in Isaiah 40, if you, if you read through there, it speaks of the forerunner. How he's going to make the, the hills flat and wake the way smooth for the Messiah to come. And as you read in the New Testament, you realize that was John the Baptist. And then Isaiah 40 continues to say by this, to say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and with his arm he rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. That's what Simeon was waiting for. He's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting for the comfort of God to come when he would come and help his people. At the end of verse 25, we see the really the fourth characteristic of Simeon. He was righteous, devout. He was waiting for this consolation. And fourthly, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And you remember, Simeon lived in Old Testament times. And, and there the Spirit came more, more coming, coming and going, empowering people with special duties or powers, say the king to reign or Samson with his power and, and abilities, often came with spiritual enablement. And, and that's what, what came upon Simeon, probably an enablement of some type of discernment to see how and when the consolation of Israel was actually going to come. And in fact, that's what verse 26 is talking about. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There's a spirit coming upon him, revealing it to him, receiving the special uh, inspiration from God that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That is, he would not die before the dawning of the Messianic age. It was close. Now, in some regards, he would have been like the Chicago Cubs fan who received sovereign news from the Lord that he wasn't going to die until the Cubs won the World Series. Now... I, I don't think anyone received such a, a revelation. But if you were a fan and you had received that revelation, I just want you to think how, how you would anticipate the years to come. Right? That, that oh, they lost again, but, but before I die, they're going to win. You know, so I'm, I'm about 50 years old. So that in the next 30 years, probably, at least they're going to win once, right? But as you'd get older and older, think about how that anticipation would have grown more and more and more and more. As you get into your 70s, as you get into your 80s, thinking like, this might be the year. This might be the time. Could it be now? And with each passing year, the, the, the anticipation grows. And even the disappointments of the losing seasons, which the Bears or the Cubs had many, many Bears too, okay? But uh, they're 1985, and they might be a long time till they win again. But anyway, the, the disappointments, though, would only heighten the anticipation. And so likewise, for... For Simeon, as he just year after year after year, in all the disappointments, I haven't seen it yet, haven't seen it yet, haven't seen it yet, it just builds the anticipation of everything that would come. Now, Cubs fans had to wait 108 years between champions, championships, but for the Jewish people, the wait was much longer. Here's a, a quick, brief history lesson in, in Bible times. The Old Testament was written from the times of Moses to the times of Malachi, about a thousand years all the Old Testament was written in there. And then about 400 B.C., Revelation stopped. 
And God didn't reveal himself to anyone for 400 years. And, and the Jews were hoping and trusting that the Messiah would come. And they were waiting for 400 years. And Simeon comes on the tail end of that. They've been waiting a long time. And as it says, he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. That was his hope. His hope is he lay eyes on the Messiah before he died. And uh, with such a promise, we can only think about his, his anticipation of all that was to come. And every day would make him more eager for the next day. Could this be the day? Could this be the day? Now, finally, the day came about in which Jesus was brought into the temple to be dedicated to the Lord. This is verses 22 through 24 are coming on a collision course with verse um, 27. And Simeon came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, and this is his, um, uh, this is his song, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, I find fascinating. We don't, we don't know exactly how it is that Simon or Simeon knew that this Jesus was the child. Uh, I, I thought about different ways. Maybe there was a sign. Remember the shepherds in the field. This would be a sign for you. You'll find a, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid there in a manger. Maybe something like this. Simeon, today's the day. This morning, about the third hour, you're going to enter into the temple area. And there's going to be a couple coming about that time to dedicate their firstborn. And they're young and they're from Nazareth. And the baby's name is Jesus. And when you see this child, you know that he's the Messiah. And so you, you think about... Simeon coming in, seeing, oh, could they be the ones? And they say, yeah, where are you from? I'm from Nazareth. Oh, what's the baby's name? His name is Jesus. Like, that's it. Could have been like that. Or, or, or maybe it was not told ahead of time. Maybe the Holy Spirit, right as he was helping Mary and Joseph do whatever his role was, um, the Holy Spirit may have said, Simon, this is the one. This is the Christ. It may have been like direct revelation, like, like this is it. Or maybe it was when Mary and Joseph got in conversation with Simeon and, and told them of their strange and wonderful story about the angelic visits of the virgin birth, of their travels to Bethlehem, and, and of the story of the shepherds coming and having them being visited by angels. And he's saying, wow, there's a lot going on here. Angelic announcements coming. This must be the Messiah. Something like that would have happened in one of those different ways. But at any rate, the wait was over. The prophecy fulfilled. Simeon had seen the Messiah, and he was ready to die. Like any Cubs fan, we've seen the championship. We can die in peace. And that's exactly what he's saying here. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now, I think from that verse, you can imply a little bit that Simeon was an older man, because young men don't speak this way about their pending death. But he was ready to die, and his only request was that he die in peace. Now, on the one hand, you say, well, why was he ready to die? I think in some regards, there's nothing left for him to live for. This was a, a lifelong goal that had been accomplished. The Holy Spirit said that he would not see death. 
before he had seen the Lord's Christ, he'd seen the Lord's Christ, and now he was ready to go because he'd accomplished everything according to the word of the Lord. You know, and sometimes people are known to do this. Maybe they have some kind of goal in mind. Maybe want to reach to live some certain age. They say, I want to live to be 80. I just want to live. And so they push on, push on, and then they get to 80 and like they've accomplished it. Or they just say, I, I want to see some historical event. I just, I just want to see this. You know, I just think back. I want to see an African-American president. You know, I'm sure that people were, were like that. Uh, people just wanting to see whatever, the, some kind of Olympics coming, or the turn of the millennium, or some, some type of historical event or day. Or, or, or maybe some, sometimes they want to see their, their son get married. Maybe they're struggling with cancer. They just want to see a son get married or see their, their grandchild just want to see my grandchild and just pressing on to live to see the grandchild and then with all the strength pass away. And that may have been Simeon. Reached his dream. He was ready to die. But you know what? I think on a deeper level, Simeon was ready to die because he saw his salvation. In other words, he, he knew that his salvation was secured in this child. The dawning of the Messianic age had come. God was true to his promises. Everything in the Old Testament had come to pass. The special revelation that he had received, he'd seen it in Jesus. And now he knows the plan of God is going to be secured. He knows that he is going to be eternally secure with God. That's a comfort of Israel. It's comfort to himself. And in fact, isn't that the point of Christmas? The comfort of God to us in bringing his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the dawning of the salvation is what Simeon had seen. He'd seen God give his son and what he knew was enough for him. Seeing Jesus was God's salvation to him. And we don't know how much Simeon knew of God's salvation plan, but he says in verse 30, right, My eyes have seen your salvation. And we don't know how, how full fully orbed his understanding of salvation was where they understood that this this boy was going to come and die upon a cross and that his sacrifice on the cross is going to be the very thing that forgives our sins we don't know but we do get a sense even in verse uh, uh, verse 34 about what Simeon did know this is after after everything's done Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph and said to Mary Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that's opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there he's kind of talking about just as a difficult road that this Messiah is going to tread. Talking about a sword piercing Mary's heart, but his also and, and maybe an allusion there to the suffering servant that he understood from Isaiah 53. We don't know. But we do know that Simeon had a faith that Jesus indeed will bring salvation, comfort to himself, to Simeon, to Israel, and to the world. And that's what verses 31 and 32 are talking about. They're expanding the view to the world. My eyes have seen your salvation, verse 30, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. This, these verses speak of the, the sovereignty of God, the the clarity of God preparing a plan and the universality of God in his plan. See, God prepared this salvation. So it says in verse 31, 
the salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. Don't ever think that your standing before God is your idea or your own way or your path. It is all God's plan, God's initiative. God is the one who came to save us. We were sinful and lost and unable to save ourselves, but he's the one that came and saved. And and he prepared that for all peoples. He revealed himself to Gentiles. He revealed himself to Israel. Oh, perhaps more in the Old Testament to Israel. And the blessing of the Gentiles overflowed, but yet today that blessing comes full-fledged to the Gentiles. And it's remarkable here how Simon, Simeon grasped the far-reaching effects of God's salvation. Now many in, in Israel thought that he's just going to redeem the Jews. The Messiah was uh, to set up this political Jewish kingdom where the Jews would stand out and above and, and God of gods, Yahweh, would be better than all the other gods. But of course, the scriptures speak about how the saving plan of God extended to all the nations. Case in point, Psalm 67. God, be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And there the Old Testament is taking talking about God bless us, Israel, that we might be a blessing to all the nations. Our scriptures such as Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all nations, extol them all peoples. It's all nations praising God. Or Isaiah 11, verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. The nations inquiring upon this root of Jesse, this branch, has come out of the line of David. And indeed, for us, we are Gentiles today. Salvation has come upon us. We Gentiles who are apart from God, strangers to the covenant. You know, and I think sometimes we're so used to this that we just assume it. Many in Israel didn't really see this. Simeon did understand this universality, that, that Jesus was a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that salvation is for all. All who believe, including you and including me. And that's the message of Christmas. In verse 33, we see the father and his mother marveled at what he said about him. So you're marveling at what Simeon said about Jesus. Are you marveling at, at Simeon? You know, I think one of the great applications for us every Christmas is this we light the candles. It's like, okay, something big is coming. Something big is coming. It kind of, kind of creates this mini anticipation um, for like four weeks. And then the Messiah comes. And we, we call it Advent. That is the coming of Jesus. And, and that's, the, that's a time when we, we're waiting for his coming. And for us, it like comes every year. So, but we do get a little taste. But I want you to think about Simeon. It wasn't every year for him. This is like a once-in-a-lifetime, ever, Jesus coming. And I, I think for us, we can just so take that for granted. You know, after the Cubs, you know, become a dynasty and win like five of the next ten World Series, you know, the, the, our kids are going to be like, what's the big deal? The Cubs always win. <laughs> they, what are you talking about? They're just like the best team in baseball. Okay, I'm dreaming now, okay? But... but <laughs> But if that comes to pass, the kids of the next generation think like, of course the Cubs always win. And I think so easily we can be like that with the Messiah. Well, of course the Messiah is here. Of course he comes to the Gentiles. Of course he dies on the cross. But I want you to think about Simeon, that 
that he was just looking someday, he knew that he was going to see it before he died, just once, just a glimpse, and see Jesus. And what we see is far more than what Simeon ever saw. Simeon saw the flesh of a baby, but what do we see? We see his whole life recorded in the Gospels. We see his whole life explained theologically in the epistles. And we stand with 2020 hindsight in far better ways than Simeon did. And I'm just, um, just warning us all. May, may we have this, this, this sense that Simeon did and this wonder and awe that I get to see salvation. Because for us, it's always, it's there, always for us. And, and do we miss the anticipation? So I think that Christmas time, every year, this whole anticipation is a, is a good thing. But there is another day we need to anticipate as well as when Jesus is coming back. That we don't know when that day will come, but that day will come. And we need to anticipate that day and long for that day, just as Simeon longed for this day when he would see Christ. Because the promise is, those of you who believe in Christ, that you will live either to see his coming or to see the smile on his face because you believed and trusted in him. And when exactly that, that happens, we don't know. But that is a promise that you will see. You will see him face to face. And the promise of 1 John 3 is that we, when we see him face to face, we'll be like him. For we shall see him just as he is. So this Christmas day, as we have this anticipation, as some of you kids are anticipating this afternoon, uh, may remember Simeon and what he was anticipating and the joy he had when he just got to lay his eyes on a baby when we get to see so much better and so much bigger the saving plan of God. So let's pray. Father, we pray that this Christmas day would be a day in which we would really genuinely delight in you and trust in you. God, direct our hearts heavenward. Direct our hearts to Jesus. God, as various people have various different plans, I just would pray that we would be a, a light. I know some, several of us are going to be with unbelieving family and uh, perhaps unbelieving friends. Lord, would pray that there would be opportunities there just to shine forth the light of Jesus. Maybe explain a little bit about what we heard this morning about Simeon. God, we long, we long for Christ. And, and I pray, God, for those who are here without Christ, perhaps some of the children, that they'd bow the knee and realize that he is real, he's true, and he's the only place that forgiveness can be found. He's the only hope, and he gives so much hope and joy to those who believe and trust in him. Oh, God, may you help us this Christmas day bring glory to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.